they don't know that, that aliens, aliens don't need are water. allergic. Oh, don't need water. I was trying to are say it at the same time too. as you. Oh, do you want to say it now? We could say yeah. It. That the aliens, aliens are, are allergic. allergic. To water. to water. It's really hard to match up because there's a delay, so I don't know if that's going to yeah. actually work on the recording. Well, the beauty of audacity is that I could just, like, bloop. It's we'll true, it and out. the audacity of beauty is that it's so damn beautiful. <laughs> oh, this just got so heavy. God damn. <laughs> this, this episode should be called The Audacity of Beauty. Oh, my God, it should. And then, oh, I just smacked my microphone. We should definitely call this episode that, and then we should also have, like, a picture of some flowers growing in a dumpster. Yeah, the audacity of beauty to grow in a dumpster. (laughs) Exactly. Great. I'm glad that we sorted that out. Did you see, okay, I uploaded the chewing gum episode and named it Who Has Helen's Netflix Password? And then the picture on SoundCloud is a picture that I made of the Netflix logo, and then my face, like, it. You gotta go look at it. It's pretty funny. I want to know if someone's gonna respond and be like, I know. <laughs> "I'm sorry, it was me. It's been me the whole time." Well, the audacity of somebody to use your Netflix password but to not religiously listen to your podcast is now rude. That, that's that's some fucking audacity. <laughs> God damn it! Have some not self-respect. Have some respect of me. Everyone. And uh, this has been an advertisement for one of our sponsors, Audacity. <laughs> for a discount, go to audacity.com slash beauty. Slash mental dam slash Helen and Krista forever with a, f- a number four. Yeah, and e- threes instead of the E's in ever. Welcome to Mental Dam, a barrier method for entertainment in 2017. I'm Krista Jarzinski. And I'm Helen Sharma. This week we'll be talking about shoutouts, stuff we missed this week, and of course our spotlight of the week, which is the new Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn movie, Snatched. Um, it's hard for me to say snatch, snatched without accidentally saying it with a Wisconsin accent. What's a Wisconsin accent way to say Sna- it? Snatched. 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 I just think of vaginas every time. I think that was their intention, right? It has to be their intention. How? Okay. Something we'll get into in the spotlight, though, is how, like, how much stuff they just fucking missed when they were making this movie. I do think they wouldn't have picked the name Snatched. Unless, because it's like, oh, comedy with women, and we're going to call it Snatched. But then also, it's just like a funny, they were like, well, other movies are called Taken, so what's like a funny women comedy movie that's similar? And they said Snatched. Oh, I guess that makes sense. And by other movies, I mean the movies Taken. (laughs) I mean the actual franchise, Taken. Taken, yeah. Yeah. Not just other (laughs) every movie with a kidnapping is called taken that's actually true i don't know if you know that they just spell it slightly differently to differentiate like the room if you looked at the cover of the dvd it said taken colon the room wait important distinction yeah the movie that you're thinking of is called room damn it the movie the room (laughs) no you're right no i don't want to talk about it 
completely different I film. I that movie. When I lived in Boston, my roommate's boyfriend, like, made us go see it. And I was like, okay, I'm open to things. And I'm not. It's so stupid. I, so I watched it for the first time, like, not that long ago. Like, it must have been last semester, but with a person I was dating. And Did you see it at the theater? No. Oh. Because it, it's kind of the thing. It's like a thing to see it at the theater. Like, is it? Like, yeah, like it's like Rocky, Rocky Horror, Horror Picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're supposed to bring, like, plastic spoons, which is such littering, and you, like, throw it at the TV every time there's a spoon. Oh, my God. Because apparently there's a lot of spoons. That, I I didn't notice that. Well, we know, we watched it in this girl's apartment and played a drinking game, and that was a stupid idea because there are a lot of things to drink What were the criteria? Oh, shoot. I can't remember. All right. We don't have to talk about it. Something I about, didn't want to talk about that stupid movie. Yeah, we don't even have to talk about it. It doesn't even matter. Except um, I did see a man who looked a lot like Johnny at a concert relatively recently, and it was the worst thing that's ever happened. Ew, that's frightening. His hair that's touched like, me. It was awful. Ew, you really saw him. Like, yeah, close. he was like next to me. Ew. It was, it was the grossest thing that's ever happened. Do you want to know my greatest fear of like a – a celebrity I would run into? Yes. Well, obviously, like, for good reason, Barack Obama, which we've talked about in the past. Obviously. I would just be speechless Naturally. and crying. Right. You'd panic. You'd panic. I would panic. Um, <laughs> and I'd want to look so cool, and I would just not look cool. But the real celebrity that I would be afraid to see, and maybe it's worn off by now, but um, I used to watch the TV show Heroes, mm-hmm. and there was a bad guy in it named Siler, and he's... In other things now, too, like he's in the new Star Trek movies. I think he plays Spock. But I thought I saw him in public one time, and he's such a bad guy that I was, like, actually struck with fear. Wow, you really... I was like, oh, God, that's Siler. You really got kind of roped Even though in. I don't have a superpower, and the thing he does is open people's brains and steal their superpowers. So, like, I'm, I'm not at risk, unless I do have a superpower and I don't know it, but he could smell it. I'm still waiting for my superpower to emerge. Here's a moment where new listeners should go back and listen to our episode, Therapy and Superpowers. Yeah. Because we talked about that. Here's a little we plug. We do have superpowers. Self-plug. We do have superpowers. Yeah. They are It's called anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> All my mental health problems. Are secretly superpowers. Deep, deep feeling. All the time. That's my superpower. Yeah. I I would not mind if an evil villain borrowed that from me for a little while. I yeah. would I would be you fine. You would with... though. You would. Yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it to be gone completely. But yeah. I would I would not mind letting go of maybe like depression for Yeah. A while. Taking like a va- a vacay from yeah. from the depression. But if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Take a little, take or, a little jaunt away. I would even pay for the depresh to go on a vacay. Wow, that is so generous of you. I know. What I would a, do that. What a like selfless person. So that I could have a staycay. <laughs> I could have a staycay without that hanging all around me, bringing Can me you down. Abbreviate every word <laughs> for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Actually, I can almost figure out what you're saying, but I definitely need more coffee if this is going to continue. So let's move on to our shout outs. <laughs> okay. 
All right, my shout-out is for a TV show I've been binge-watching. Nice. I've been watching Call the Midwife. <gasps> oh, the... do you watch it? I love Call the Midwife. I love Call the Midwife so much. When I went home for Mother's Day, here is the date coming in. I, my mom, I came, I went home on Sunday and we had dinner and then my mom was like, do you want to make tea and watch Call the Midwife? And we just sat and watched it. It was the best mother-daughter activity that's ever happened. Where are you in the series? I like I'm not super caught up because I don't like watch it as, I don't have a TV, so I don't watch it that often. It's on Netflix. Oh, well, I've watched everything that's on Netflix. I just, like, I am not caught up, caught up. Okay. I just, I like, behind. kind of dip in and out when I right. go home and have a TV. Yeah, it is like a soap opera, I bet, yeah. that you could, like, take a break, and then you can be like, Mom, what happened with Jenny? Like, fill me in on the hot goss. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Well, I've been watching it, and I think it's a wonderful show. I've been watching it from the beginning. Okay. And I'm on season four now. Okay. Maybe season three. Where did Jane go? She just I can't tell you anything. Okay. Well, Jane's gone with no explanation. With no of the TV no show. warning. Yeah. No. And it, it, this is that's the one thing, honestly, that I have to complain about for the show because it is so. It's such a like women positive show. Like there's such good friendship, and support, and they always have each other's backs, and they like fight, but it's always like resolve they talk things through it's so good and every time they get a new person they try really hard to make them feel welcome because obviously they have their own group already and that can be intimidating trying to get in with a, a gaggle of nuns and some nurses is really hard I've tried and we've it's all really made hard. the effort and very few of us succeed it's a hard circle to break into you know it's just a tight-knit group they don't trust outsiders Right. Well, this TV show, they really let everybody in. Yeah. And I love it. And I also love childbirth, and they mm-hmm. cover, like, lots of different topics, but it doesn't feel luxury or anything. It feels just, like, fun to watch. And it's weirdly high production value, because BBC is historically very bad production value. Um, but it's a beautiful show. I love it. So then the Jane issue, I'm like, where's Jane? Because they did so much to pull her into the group that it's weird that she would disappear without anybody being upset. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little odd. And my favorite character is Chummy, cause duh. Duh. Chummy is delightful. If Chummy isn't your favorite character, what are you doing? Right. I like how she calls her baby son. She calls him young sir. She's like, be careful not to poke young sir when you're changing his diaper. Or young madam, as it were. That's how I feel about like any children that I have in the future or that you have, like whoever, any babies that I ever interact with regularly in the future are going to be young sir or young madam. So FYI. How's young sir? How is young sir doing today? I've, I've been watching, so that actress's name is Miranda Hart and she's wonderful as Chummy. I love And her. I've been watching her TV show called Miranda. Oh, it's so which funny. Very funny, but like very cheesy, like really cheesy. Yeah. Um, and I like her better as Chummy, but they're both very fun. So maybe I, my shout outs to Miranda Hart. I don't know. Maybe her her show, like I, it's like something that I watch when I just like really need to just like be silly and not yeah. engage with anything at all. Yeah, it's Teddy so and I watched an episode but I like of it. like. We'll watch an episode of, like, 
Big Little Lies. Mm, yeah. Or something heavy. And then we're like, let's watch a Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to you got to cleanse yourself at that, that point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my shout out. What's your shout out? I love that. Um, my shout out is to Christian Amanpour. Um, because, so I graduated from college like two weeks ago, um, ish, I think. I think it's two weeks tomorrow. It's unclear to me the specifics of it. Dates are so foggy. We don't know when we recorded this. Maybe Helen graduated in January. Ooh. Ooh, Jan, what's, uh, what's a January? Time is fluid. Yeah. So is gender. Great point. Great plug. Um, so Christian Amanpour was my commencement speaker, which was oh, cool. really, really cool. Um, I feel like I was a little bit young to, like, witness her doing all of the, like, frontline reporting that she did in the 90s. I, like, just yeah. didn't – wasn't – I was watching a lot of, like, Clifford at that time. But, you know, she has her own show now, and she interviews all these people, and she's really, really tough and really fair and, like – says the things that nobody else wants to say and ask the questions that like really put people on the spot which I love about her um and she was a great commencement speaker she did a great job of being political but not partisan and Mm -hmm. um the commencement was on a Friday and then the French election was on the following Sunday and Mm -hmm. so she like talked a lot about Le Pen and why Le Pen would be the wrong choice and like what nationalism in France means and what nationalism in the U.S., like how that compares and relates. Um, Mm -hmm. And she just did a really good job of being inspirational and engaging current events in a way that felt relevant but not. So part of the issue is that um, Mike Pence's daughter is in my graduating class Oh, whoa. Um, and she's really, like, she's lovely. I like her a lot. We, You've met her? We, yeah. She was in Turkey at the same time that I was in Turkey, and so we got lunch a couple times, and she's she's pretty liberal, and she's really cool, and I, like, we get along really well. We're not, we're not like, friends, really, but um, she actually was I'm not. not, like, friends with Mike Pence's daughter. No. Like, <laughs> we're not, we're not, like, BFFs. We're not married. We're, like, acquaintance. Yeah. We are acquaints. That's a great point. Thank you, Krista. Um, But so she actually ended up not being there, but it was like a big question about whether or not Mike Pence was going to be at the commencement. Um, Ah. And so people were a little bit worried that either the president of the university would ask him to speak and say something or that Christian Amanpour would like spend a lot of time like just like digging at the Trump administration. And um, I thought it was cool that she didn't because if Pence had been there, I would have wanted that to be about Audrey, his daughter. Like, it, I wouldn't want it to be a day of attacking his administration. I would want it right, to right. be a day of, like, celebrating her achievements and her accomplishments. But either way, she wasn't there. But Christian Amanpour did a really good job of engaging current events without being, like, divisive. The main thing I know about Christiane Amanpour is that um, she was like, wasn't she Rory Gilmore's idol? Yeah, she was. On the Gilmore Girls. That's also how I first heard her name. When I was watching Gilmore Girls as like a child and being like, oh, this is fun. In contrast, my commencement speaker was the head coach of the New Jersey Devils. Ooh. And he had a lot of sports metaphors like, I tell my team when you get it something that's a challenge you just gotta hit it hit it hard 
So that's I've, what I got to hear at my commencement. That sounds inspiring. It was so inspiring. I have a question. Yeah. What sport do the New Jersey Devils play? Hockey. That's really not even a little bit what I thought you were going to say. Okay, cool, cool. What do you think I was going to say? Well, hit it hard sounds like football. But I think there's no. a basketball team named the Devils, and so I wondered if it was that. Like, I, I really had no data. I think he meant physical bodies, because in hockey you can, like, ram into people. That's right. I so, forget that it's a little bit of a mean sport. It was a really passive, you know, it's very passive. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm a psychology major. I don't believe in hitting anything except the books. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to share that with your commencement speaker. That's what my voice sounded like back in 2009. When you read I really come into my own. You've come into your own. I've come into my sultry voice. Yeah. You're your like husky radio voice that you have now. Yes. Mm. Mm. Nope. That wasn't good. <laughs> All right, should we do our spotlight of the week? Let's, yeah, let's get into this shit. Okay, our spotlight was the movie Snatched. And the most important thing to note right this moment is that this is the first movie that Helen and I were allowed to see in movie theaters. Now, you might be thinking, what about Hidden Figures? Well, technically, correct me if I'm wrong, Helen, Hidden Figures came out in 2016. In December, so yeah. So we could go see it, but this is the first movie that's coming out in 2017 that we are allowed to see. The caveat to that is that there have been, like, smaller release movies, limited release movies, things that have come out, um, but this is the first, like, wide release, widely publicized, in every theater movie. Yes. In 2017 that we can see. It was yes. written by Katie Dippold, who also wrote uh, The Heat among other things, but that's the thing that I can remember. Ghostbusters. She wrote, she wrote Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters? The new one, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that movie was really good. Okay. <laughs> Don't show your hand too fast, Helen. Damn it! Damn it! But that is the credit that I read, and I was like, oh, what happened with Snatched? Oh. oh. Ghostbusters huh. was so thoughtful, but I guess when you throw in a foreign country, things can get real fucked. Things get dicey real fast as soon as there's more than one brown person in yeah. a cast. Unless they're a, it's an American cast and you're, like, striving for diversity. I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. Then things could potentially be better. Once you go to another country, a country that historically has issues with drugs, and then you characterize the quote-unquote drug lords in certain ways, well, then you just get into some risky territory. I'm rolling my eyes so hard that the tendons in my eyeballs hurt. Sounds like it would be a good self-massage. Yes, it would be. I'm scared of getting stuck that way because my mom always used to tell me that when I was little. <laughs> that is a lie. She was lying to you. I was like a really big eye roll kid because I'm mean and sarcastic. And she would always be like, your eyes are going to get stuck that way. And I'm convinced. Oh my gosh. I'm worried. Yeah. Um, so anyway, before we continue with our uh, critique, yeah. <laughs> should we do a, a, a fucking, what's it called? A synopsis? A synopsis, yes. Shall I? Please, my love. 
All right, our our protagonist is Emily Middleton, and she is just doing life kind of badly. I think she lives in New York City, yeah? Her mom says the phrase New York at some point, but it's kind of unclear. So she lives in New York City, and she um, is working in retail, and in the opening scene she gets fired, and then in the second scene she gets broken up with by her very cool boyfriend, um, named Michael, played by Randall Park. So that was a bright, shining human. Yeah. For a moment. And then he was gone. Um, and then her mom, who is played by Goldie Hawn, Linda Middleton, is like, come see me, you're sad. So she goes and sees her mom, and she tells her mom that she has a non-refundable trip to... Ecuador. Ecuador, thank you. You're welcome. I was trying to think of it, and I was like, what did... Marnie go on her honeymoon. She, Marnie went on her honeymoon to Ecuador, and she's skyping with, she's skyping with um, Hannah, and she's like, "Oh my God, Ecuador is so beautiful." <laughs> that like, is the most girls thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Ecuador. The most I feel like thing. Ecuador is really changing. Ecuador. My life. Ecuador. Um, okay, so she goes. They. Uh, she asks her mom to go to Ecuador. And her mom's like, no, I'm a cliche of an older divorced woman, and I don't really leave the house except to do a cat sculpture class. Um, And her mom lives with her brother, who is also a good part of the movie. He is Jeffrey, and he's played by Ike Barinholtz. Very funny. Um, He calls his mom, Mama. 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 The whole time. Which kind of annoyed me, but I get why he was doing it, because it was also kind of funny. So anyway, she convinces her mom to go. They go. It starts out okay. Um, they meet this couple of women named Ruth and Barb, played by Wanda Sykes and Joan Cusack, who are a couple of weirdos. They were easily my favorite part of the movie. Just They were great. Up. Yeah. Also, Very something strange. that when we're talking about Ike Barinholtz and um, Jeffrey, the brother, it's important to note that at the beginning, it's stated that he has agoraphobia. Yes. Um, and that's why he still lives with his mother and is annoying. He doesn't leave the house at yeah. all. He like, seems to teach piano lessons in the house. Right. So they're in Ecuador, and um, Emily meets this hot dude named James. And I was like, red flags, red flags. But also, he seemed fine. I don't yeah. know. I was trying to think what call I would make in that. I probably wouldn't go with him on a moped to like a dance party. But maybe I would. Well, he takes her on an adventure, and they go to this, like, dance party in the woods, and that's all kosher. Everything's fine. They come back. Everything's good. They make plans to go out the next day. Am I going in too much detail? I don't think so. Okay. It turns out, anyway, she goes with her mom. It turns out that he is a shady individual. Yep. Which I guess we don't find out until the end for sure, but I definitely thought from that moment. I was like, this isn't going well. And then they, like, get kidnapped. Yeah. And then they escape by killing someone. Yep. And then they meet uh, an American man in the jungle. Oh, now they're in Colombia, by the way. They get kidnapped and taken to Colombia. Right. They meet an American man. Where the drugs um, are. Right. Played by Christopher Maloney. He did a good um, job. I thought he was funny. He was very funny. Yeah. And he's like, I'll, I'll take you home. And tries to lead them through the woods. Um, but it turns out he's only been there for three weeks because he's dying of cancer. So, uh, spoilers, then he dies. And they're on their own. And they find a village. There's a gross tapeworm scene. There's a turning point of the movie, which we'll talk about in a bit. Oh, boy. And then they get kidnapped again. Well, Amy Schumer escapes. I mean, Emily. 
Linda gets kidnapped. Yeah. They need to rescue her. They do. They all learn a lesson about motherhood and friendship and helping brown people. Yes. And that's as much detail as I think we need because we'll get more into specifics <laughs> as That we... might be too much detail. We can cut it if we need to. <laughs> eh, it's okay. Wouldn't take that long. Um, yeah. But now let's tear this shit apart. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could start with things that we liked about the movie. That's a good idea. To ease ourselves in. Yeah. Um, I will say that I thought Joan Cusack, as a character with zero lines, was mm-hmm. the funniest character in the movie. She's she plays funny. this, like, this woman who uh, had once been in covert ops. Special ops. Special ops, but, like, wasn't anymore and had cut out her tongue so that she couldn't be tortured into telling anything and so she just like kind of roams around in the movie with like torture devices made of toilet paper and like makes this face that makes it look like she doesn't have a tongue and like frowns at people and like leaps over fences it's she does such a fucking good job she was really funny yeah she's very funny that's she was really funny i thought that wanda sykes was pretty funny i thought that christopher maloney did a great job He's like a caricature of a river guide and then turns out not to be one at all, which was funny. He turns out to be a caricature of a white dude who's like, I could go in the jungle with no training. Right. Which was also like a very astute caricature, which surprised me. Yeah. Anyway, so those are some things that I liked about the movie. Yes. I liked all those things as well. Um, I liked, you know, I was pretty okay with most of it until they get kidnapped. There were, like, a couple good one-liners and some very funny little pieces. Um, I wrote down my favorite quote. Um, Emily is is teasing Jeffrey. They're, like, fighting at the dinner table, and she's like, you're gay for mom. And he's like, I'm not gay for mom. And she's like, you suck mom's dick. (laughs) So that was funny. He was like, mom has a vagina. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think if that's, like, offensive to people in the queer community yeah i like didn't love it for that reason i was like something about this feels a little bit insensitive but it was also like the premise of it felt insensitive but they did it in a really funny way like you suck mom's dick was hilarious right well so that'll be a good segue but we'll have to come back to it the other thing i liked these are just my notes the other thing i liked is that uh there was a cat sculpture in goldie hans that was really funny and amy schumer was like I told you not, I can't acknowledge that. That is horrible. It's terrifying. And that just about wraps up everything I liked. <laughs> everything that, that was good. No, there were, honestly, until they got kidnapped. Like, Amy Schumer is playing a clueless, I think, okay. Can we get into it now? Get, get the fuck into it, Krista. Okay, so back to that joke, your gay for mom joke. Yeah. Amy Schumer's character, Emily, is supposed to be somebody who is, like, tone deaf and thinks that she's, like, post-racist and post, like, that she can make jokes about racism and make jokes about um, anything and that it's okay. She's very self-centered and doesn't, like, think about the greater implications of the jokes that she's making. So I feel like I could get on board with that premise. And even with some of, like, the... She was just unlikable. Like, she was an unlikable character. 
And until they get kidnapped, it was like, okay, this character is racist and says bad things. Not the movie, necessarily, yet. And then once they get kidnapped, like, the stereotypes that the movie portrays and the storylines and things like that the movie portrays, then it's like, well, this isn't the character anymore. Now we're getting into, like, how you're choosing to build the world around the character. Right. Absolutely. I feel like it only, it, I don't know how they could have fixed it. Like, making it more, if it, like, cut from being a comedy to being, like, a Taken movie, then maybe? I think that the premise is inherently problematic. Like, there isn't yeah. there isn't a situation in which you can make a movie where a white lady goes to South America on vacation and gets, like, kidnapped by brown people, and you do it in, like, a respectful... Like, that's not, that's not going to ever be, yeah. like, a super enlightened premise. <laughs> it's just not. Right, right, right. I think part of the problem for me, like, the big structural problem, was that we only saw, right, a few pieces of South America. We saw the resort in Ecuador, which is built to cater to white people. We saw mm-hmm. Puerto Matias, I think is where they are. Puerto Matias is is where they end up right after they've been kidnapped, right? And it's mm-hmm. um supposedly like this the only city in Ecuador that's still unsafe or the only city in Colombia that's still unsafe. Unsafe. And so we don't see much of it, right? We see, like, a little stand where they're getting chicken wings and booze, and we see the road. We see some farmland and some, mm-hmm. like, jungle. And we see a village of indigenous people that is so deeply racist in its portrayal that it, like, I almost left the theater i was so upset by that so we see these four things none of which are complete or even remotely accurate representations of what ecuador and colombia are right the whole thing is inherently problematic but if you're going to make a movie that takes place in a country in any in any country you have to represent that country as it is and then your characters can get up to whatever the fuck they want to within that right. place. You don't get yeah. to pick and choose these places that make the country look like a savage wasteland, essentially, is what they, they portrayed it as. And it's hard to then put comedy in an accurate portrayal. Right. Because I think, I mean, most of the comedy, most of the jokes were based around the idea that Emily, played by Amy Schumer, is so clueless and is so, like self-centered and so it was this self-deprecating comedy that didn't seem to acknowledge how absolutely absurd the the her surroundings were I don't know if it's in the writing or in the directing or in things that the, the actors brought to it but I feel like they took Emily Middleton right who is an unlikable character which I respect like Hooray for women unlikable characters. It's great. We need them because there's too much pressure to have them be likable. But they took her being an unlikable character and the idea that, like, it's through her point of view, this movie, as a free pass to just, like, do whatever they want. I think, so, I agree that it's important to have unlikable characters. 
I think the distinction needs to be that when we have unlikable female characters, they also need to be complex. And they also need to have a depth in their unlikability. And yeah. I didn't feel that with Emily Middleton. I didn't feel that she had complexity. I feel like they tried to construct some complexity in her, but it felt half-hearted to me. And then the other piece of that is that I feel that this is an issue that I have with Amy Schumer's comedy in general, is that it seems to me that because she's not model skinny, she gets a free pass to make comedy at the expense of other people because Mm -hmm. she does not consider herself a Hollywood insider. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reality is that she is still very much the oppressor in this context. And it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make it okay for her to make jokes at the expense of groups of people to which she does not belong just because she is not necessarily belonging to the majority group in her professional field. And I mean, I would even disagree with the fact that she's not belonging to like the Hollywood elite, because at this point she's been on the scene long enough that she is a big deal. Yeah. I just wonder if we hold women comedians to a different standard of thoughtfulness than we hold men comedians. Like, there are things where we want... So Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham and lots of other people have made mistakes and choices that were um, racist and stupid. Mm -hmm. Or sexist and stupid. Mm -hmm. And we want them to apologize. Or we want them to acknowledge it on Twitter. Or we feel like... These are people we can have a conversation with about that. And part of me is like, yes, this is the world that we're getting into. Like, no longer is there celebrity and regular people. We're in kind of a world right now where we can have more of a conversation with celebrities through, like, Twitter conversations and articles and things like that. But as long as it's the same standard for men. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um... I think it is. I I I think that I hold everybody to this standard of just not taking advantage of a group of people to which you don't belong. That feels for sure to me yeah. pretty pretty base. And well, and not just you. I mean as a society yeah. like are we holding are we do we let men get a pass on more things than Right. And I think, I mean, probably slash definitely we do. Um, And I think in the case of this particular movie, I think it's holding this movie to a certain standard isn't sexist. It's calling out the racism of this movie. Right. No, no, I definitely agree. Like in, at one point, so the, the like indigenous village that they end up in when Amy Schumer has yeah, the Yeah, let's talk him. about that. Let's talk about that. So they end up in this village. I have some thoughts about that too. And they're, they end up in this village and they're being tended to by this doctor um, who is played by, I forget his name, but he's the guy who plays Jaime in Broad City. Arturo, his first name's Arturo. Yeah. Arturo Castro. Arturo Castro. So Arturo Castro plays this doctor who's in this indigenous village in i think they're still in colombia at this point but it's not super clear yeah they are because they're trying to get to the to bogota that's right yeah um and so he's trying to find a cure for cancer in the amazon which i'll come back to and 
they're kind of walking around this village and they notice that Amy Schumer and her mom notice that they the people are in two groups. There's the women who are carrying water from the well to like I think over to like where the cooking area is. And there's the men who are standing in like loincloths and wearing paint and standing by the huts kind of just chatting, not really doing anything. And they ask the doctor, like, what's the deal? Why are the women doing all the work and the men aren't doing anything? And the doctor explains that the men's job is, in like, in this culture, the men's job is protection or something. He's not super clear about, like, the specifics of it because they're not ever named as belonging to a specific culture. They're just kind of like the indigenous folks. Um, yeah. And Amy Schumer is like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. And then it's not addressed again. So, so many things with this. Um, mm-hmm. One, yes, there is a gender imbalance in the society that they have entered. Well, well spotted. Two, you do not get to come in here and come into this society that you don't name, that you don't identify, that you don't engage with in any way except being given a jacket for having survived a tapeworm. You don't get to come into this society and tell them what the gender balance should be if you have not spoken to them, if you can't speak their language, if you've not even interacted with them. That's not fair. Absolutely inappropriate. And, I mean, that's white feminism at at its worst. Right. Also, so the women are, they have like this assembly line of getting water from the well to the cooking area. And Amy <laughs> Schumer, was comment on. Amy Schumer just kind of like wanders over to it at some point and they start handing her the water buckets and suddenly she's part of the assembly line. And she's not doing, well, she's not like walking, right? She's not like walking over to the well or anything. She just kind of is standing there taking the bucket from the woman who hands it to her and pouring it in and putting it back. And she's like, oh, I guess I'm part of this now. And her mom looks over at her and goes, you're helping. I wrote this down in my phone. I was like, oh, my God. You're helping? Well, first of all, like, the context is that they had had a fight about how she's, like, so self-centered, which, of course, she is. She is. So then her mom is, like, seeing her in a different light. And she's like, you're helping. And she's like, yeah, Mom, I'm a helper or something like that. So now we've got white savior complex white savior complex where she's not doing shit white feminism Uh where she is actively being destructive by not understanding the context of the society that she's in and this like inherently fucked up portrayal of indigenous people Mm -hmm. like it was quite a scene did you do any research at all katie dippled did you do any also also the thing that i wanted to come back to is that the doctor arturo castro i it seems that he's a western trained doctor or that he has some experience in the west he's wearing like a button-down shirt and pants compared to everybody else who's in literal loincloths he speaks english fluently whatever he's got like at some point some stainless steel things that he puts in amy schumer's mouth to get the tapeworm out it's gross but like it's clear that he has some western training or has interacted with western culture in some way and so Mm -hmm. he's in the amazon to find a cure for cancer so in indigenous cultures in south america particularly mayan culture there is this background of or this history of 
indigenous Mayan healers. And there are many, many layers to that healing training. There are many religious and social and like scientific components to the way that indigenous Mayan healers understand the Amazon forest, the different things that grow there, the way that they are able to interact with the forest and the things that grow and the way that they're able to use those things to heal people in their community. Um, shout out to the book uh, Sastoon, which I'm going to look up the author in a second, but it's a great, great book. And it's about a woman who does an apprenticeship with a Mayan healer. Um, and it's it's got its issues in and of itself. She's a Western white woman who grew up in Chicago. Um, but she does a really great job of recording the behaviors of the man who is the healer in this context so there's a lot of complex history to healing and to like pulling drugs and cures from the amazon rainforest and right most of that history does not have to do with taking that cure to other societies most of that has to do with their own understandings in these cultures of what disease is and looks like and the ways that they Mm -hmm. treat those, which are very, very different than the Western biomedical model. And I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit here, but basically what I want to say is that it really erases a lot of history and a lot of culture and a lot of even like existing medical system to to say that like you're just pulling a cure cure for cancer from this Amazon rainforest. Right, right. And so I just, like, had a lot of – this this whole scene was so upsetting to me in so many different ways. But um, that in particular I thought I could shed some light on because I just read this book, and I'm going to look up who it's by right now. Well, then, once they're saved, it, like, flashes forward a year later, and Amy Schumer's at, like, a bar, and this guy starts chatting her up, and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm volunteering. So obviously they've, quote-unquote, learned a lesson and now they volunteer. Right. Not with a specific organization, not doing any one specific type of work. Doing the kind of work where you can go to a bar at the end of the night and absolutely drink whatever the house drink is that you still don't know. And get hit on by the only other white guy there because God forbid Amy Schumer be matched up with anybody but another Western white dude. Yes. The other thing about that particular scene is that the set that they had created for this like bar in Kuala Lumpur looks exactly like the set that they created for a similar party in Ecuador. Like, they used the same string lights of different colors. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuala Lumpur, Ecuador, different places. Well, everybody knows, though, Helen, that if you see string lights in a country that you're not from, that that is a welcoming space for white people. Oh, that's true, actually. It's like the international sign of, like, welcome. You're right. You're right. That was my mistake. That was my mistake. You see them and you think, Brooklyn, and you know you're home. You know know that you'll be able to find kombucha just a moment away. Oh my god, kombucha. I know. I know you love kombucha. I hate kombucha, but that's that's my own issue. Um, To back up just a second, the book that I was talking about is called Sestun, My Apprenticeship with a Maya Healer, and it's by Marilyn Yaquinto and Rosita Arvigo. Cool. It's I a great. It I will send you my copy if you want because I just have it. Okay. It's yeah. It's a really really good book. Anyway, that'd be great. Anyway, so, so I mean I could go on and on, right? Like I also had an issue with the way that 
like the only people that we saw, the only like brown folks that we saw in this movie were either like caricatured indigenous folks, servers at the hotel who didn't know any word except welcome. Yes. uh, Or drug lords. Right. Like those are the only people of South American descent that we saw in this movie. And that kind of comes back, I think, for me to the way that we only saw these four different settings that are all like caricatured from an American perspective. Yeah. And I think there are ways to make make fun of the way that Western people go into these societies and perceive them. There absolutely are. But they did not do a good job of that. They missed the mark a little bit. I think that's what they were trying to do. I can do I can think? see that. I can see that. But I also... Because it felt like the movie, on, on the one hand, like I was saying before, it felt like it was kind of making fun of the protagonist, of Amy Schumer's character. Which is the humor and that so she And so then they thought, like, right, right. Well, she didn't write it, though. So this is what I'm having. If Amy Schumer wrote it, I would be like, oh, totally. This is totally, so you know, right in line with her. I think that she helped with the writing based okay. on something that she posted on Instagram. Okay. Like, something that she had. She posted a picture of her with her sister, who plays um, the woman in the very first scene that she's helping at the store. Yeah. She, posts some, she posted something online on Instagram with her sister saying, like, we spent so much time like coming up with jokes for this movie and writing this movie. And so I think okay. that it was probably a group effort, even though the only writing credit goes to Katie Dippold. Got it. So, sorry, that was an interruption. Continue. No, yeah, I was, like... I think they were trying to make fun of, maybe they weren't, maybe they're not that thoughtful. To me, it sometimes felt like they were trying to make fun of white people going to South America right. or, you know, anywhere um, that's not primarily white people and they miss the mark, but maybe they weren't trying for something so thoughtful. I just couldn't tell. I think a lot of Amy Schumer's humor is really self-deprecating, is like, I'm an every woman, and I'm chubby, so I can do whatever I, you know, I just, like, bounce around, and everything's, like, that's that's the way that she does stand-up, right, right, right. and the way that she behaves in movies and shows, that's her shtick, essentially. And I don't want to take yeah. that away from her, but I don't think that that, I think that the way it was done in this movie was it didn't seem like she was adding whiteness into her, like, bumbly thing. A little bit. Like, she's on the phone with her friend, and she's like, do you want to go to Ecuador with me? And we don't hear the other side, but her friend says, like, no. And she says, but aren't you from there? And then she says, no, you sound racist. Like, it just didn't feel thoughtful enough overall for me to think that there was any chance that they really had gone into this being like, we're going to caricature white tourism in South America. Right. Yeah. Because you have to be a lot Those are just meaner the red to white herrings. people, honestly, if you're going to do that. Right. And, like, they they weren't. The other piece, which within this context is a little bit irrelevant, I suppose, because yeah. it wasn't a good movie, is that um, Goldie Hawn isn't funny at all. I know. At all. It made me really sad. Yeah, she was just she was just a cliche of a divorced woman who never goes out anymore. So and she's historically a very funny right. actor. I mean, honestly, I didn't find this movie particularly funny at all. Like there were there were mm-hmm. definitely times when I laughed out loud. There were jokes that really like hit the mark. But 
overall, yeah. it was not like when I went and saw Ghostbusters and The Heat, which are the two movies that I know Katie Dippold has written. Both of them had me just in stitches. Right, right. And I did not feel that way about this movie at all. Also, oh man, they started off on the wrong foot quite a while ago for promoting Snatched mm. because Amy Schumer, this is like the red flag. This is why I wouldn't have seen it. Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn did an a like parody of Beyonce's formation in, I guess, South America, it was supposed to be. A song which is about black womanhood and yes. comes from an album that is about Beyonce Knowles' experience with black womanhood and a visual yes. album that became this like iconic like statement about being black in America and from yes. the South. Yes, when I saw... So these two white ladies... Yes went to South America and made a parody of a yes. song, of a music video that they could never even begin to understand. Yes. Did you see it? No. I can't watch it. I need to make sure that it's formation. It is, because I was I was talking to, I had a friend over last night and we were talking about it, and she's black, and she was like, did you see the formation parody video? And I was okay, like, good. No. Yeah. So when I saw that video, which was a while ago, before we ever decided to do this project, Mm -hmm. I was like, I never want to see that movie. (laughs) I'm good. Like, this is obviously the most tone-deaf white movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. But then we saw it, so we did see it, and I'm I'm glad that we saw it because it allowed me to form a bunch of opinions about it, and allowed me to have like a bunch of really interesting conversations with people in the last few days that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I don't think, but yeah, that's true because it would have just been like, nah, I didn't see it. It looks stupid. Yeah, that would have been the extent of it. But now I got. I told my friend Marissa that I was going to see it. I was texting her. Hold on, I want to pull up what she said. I said, I'm going to see Smash, Smash, Snatch tomorrow at 10 a.m. like a sol- at, uh Okay. I'm not reading it well. I said, like a solid underemployed person. It's the first movie I can see in the theater this year, although I'm not really looking forward to it. She said, oh, yeah, it looks like you should be prepared to permanently cringe. And I said, yeah, it looks really bad. She said, it seems like a fun racist romp. That's the title of this episode, is A Fun Racist Romp, FYI. Oh, man, what was our other title? Oh, yeah, The Audacity of Beauty, A Fun Racist Romp. Yeah. Taken, colon, The Audacity of Beauty, colon, colon, A Fun fun Racist racist Romp. romp. I'll do it. Watch me. Okay, good. Um, Yeah, I just really hated this movie. Yeah. Yep. I feel like anything funny that Amy Schumer brought to this movie... Like, her comedic style, she already did, like, a lot better in Trainwreck. And I'm not a huge fan of Amy Schumer's style, so it, so I really like, I kind of liked Trainwreck, and I, I didn't have a lot of criticisms, although I wasn't, like, critically watching movies Mm -hmm. back then necessarily either, 
but I felt like any humor she had from that, she like everything she did in this movie that was even remotely funny was just kind of a repeat from Trainwreck and then not in not thoughtful I read, in like a worse context. There was a review of it that I read that said basically the same thing. It was like Trainwreck but really? worse. Yeah. Which... It was like train wreck but racist. And I I never saw train wreck, but I actually I remember seeing the ad for it and being like, I'd watch that. That's fine. Yeah, I thought it was fine. It was definitely like her brand of self deprecating, like, I'm not a hot woman. Right. Let me laugh at pooping. Right. Which you know, I don't know. I don't like her that much to begin with. I think that a lot of her self deprecating humor is not as specifically self-deprecating as it is contributing to oppressive structures that shut down women of color and people with disabilities. Like, she often makes ableist jokes. I I don't think it's fun. Like, I love poop jokes. I love poop. You know me. I love poop jokes. Well, but that's not what she's doing. Right. And every time I see a comedian who's, like, pushing boundaries on what's acceptable – for gender conversations, stuff like that, whatever. I and they do it badly, or or there's something about it that makes me feel icky. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm always trying to compare that person. So I'm trying to compare Amy Schumer with like what are um, Alana and Abby doing right? Right. Because they seem to do things correctly. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. And they still push those boundaries about like talking about sex and talking about you know, bodily functions and, like, bodies in a different way than is previously accepted while still not making bad choices at the expense of other people. Right. I mean, they they have occasionally made mistakes, for sure. But um, they're not as, like, they're pretty consistently constructive and building up other people. And I think that's what it is, is that, like, all of their jokes – they, they don't tell jokes that, that tear people down, either each other or, like, other groups. They never do that, really. Yeah. Well, and then I don't know why I have this impression, so I, we might take it out of the podcast. Yeah. I have the impression that Amy Schumer does not support other women. Yeah. But I don't know if that's based on anything or if it's just, like, her brand of humor strikes me as, like, the kind of thing that would be in Maxim magazine. <laughs> it's like, I'm funny, but I'm also hot, and, like, I'm right. cool, unlike other women. Right, like, I'm not I like other girls. It's stuff. that style right. of humor. I think that, right. so, I think that impression, for me, I have the exact same impression, and it comes from a lot of her early stand-up, which was very, like, typical woman trying to make it in stand-up and tearing down other women's sexual preferences and being... Yeah like, nasty about other women for the sake of it. Like, um, what's her name? Eliza Schlesinger does that a lot with the voice that she does that's, like, the girl voice, like, she does yeah. that. And so I think Amy Schumer did a lot of that same style. And I, I hate those kinds of jokes. I do, too. And I think that Amy Schumer had the opportunity, now that she's really big, to – put that aside, right? Because now she has a little bit more leeway. Maybe not a lot. I don't know her life, but a little. And she has not done that. She continues yeah. to to do that 
I'm not like other girls style of humor. And she's unapologetic when she makes mistakes. Did you see that round table that was like women in comedy? Mm-mm. The whole it was a women like comedy comedy actress round table. Um, and it had Lena Dunham, Ellie Kemper, Kate McKinnon, Gina Rodriguez, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Amy Schumer. What an interesting so group. Women. Shit. Right. Right. Four white women, two women of color. Now, Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham were, like, super dominating the conversation. Really dominating the whole time. And I just kept cringing. Um, Ellie Kemper and Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon's a very reserved person. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really like to to talk unless somebody's asking her a question. Mm -hmm. I think she, I get the impression she doesn't like to be the center of tension. Yeah. Same with Ellie Kemper. She, she would speak when the conversation came around to her, but she was more like listening and then commenting on, she spoke a little more than Kate McKinnon. And then, um, Tracy Ellis Ross and Gina Rodriguez had like gold things to say. And Lena Dunham and Amy Schumer kept cutting them off. And I was like, oh my God, please hold your damn tongues. Like listen for once. Like understand that you are not the center of the universe. Everything you have to say is not the end all be all. And your whiteness has dictated for your entire life that you will get more space than these brown women. So have a moment of self-criticism as you think about whether, like where you're stepping up and where you're stepping back. Maybe people never learned that. I mean, of course, white people haven't learned it as much. But even just like normal meeting etiquette. Right. Like, not a comedy actor's thing. Like, a normal meeting. Like, I step back and wait and make sure everybody had a chance to speak. Like... Can we just be nice humans? Right. And not cut each other off? God. But I feel like they are tra- they have trained themselves to interrupt as a way, because when you're in, like, a male mm-hmm. area, you need to be a little more aggressive with how you talk. Right. And then they couldn't, like, switch it back to, like, oh, we're going to have a conversation because women are reasonable. And we're going to have a conversation where I am no longer the person who gets shut down in this space. I'm no longer, like, right. I'm the person, n- not I, because I wasn't there, but, like, it, it was Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham's job in that space to say to themselves, I am the person with privilege here, which means right. that I will get to dictate how this conversation goes. And so I, yes. it's my responsibility to share that with everybody in the room. Right. That was their job, and they fucked up. All right. Snatched. Uh, Not the highlight of my week. No, no. It, it, so I, I went and saw it with my friend Danielle, who is just like, she was in Strong Women, Strong Girls with me. She is a very, very, like, very smart and very thoughtful person. And yeah. she tends to be a little bit on the quieter side, I think, when we're in groups. I don't hear her speak as much. But every time I've talked to her about pretty much anything, she – always is very insightful and very funny um and so I had sent out like a group chat to everybody in Strong Women Strong Girls and said like I'm gonna go see this movie does anybody want to come and she said she would come with me and she just had so much 
good analysis on the way home and it was so fun to see it with somebody who was on the same page about all of this stuff with me because we could during the movie like look at each other and be like that was fucked up right yeah cool yeah yeah I did not have that luxury (laughs) I saw it alone at 10 in the morning so it was like a lot of old white women amazing yeah and they thought it was really funny I'm happy for them. They were, like, in it. But I was also in Paul Ryan's district, so that's a major caveat. Oh, that goddamn Paul Ryan stupid face. All right, Snatched. We do not recommend it. No. But if you want to critique it, go for it. Go for it, and let us know what you think. Hello at mentaldam.com, because always looking for more input on this shit. Yeah. Um, so Krista... Yes, Helen. What did you miss this week? My angel. I missed ice cream this week. Ice cream? Why did yeah, you miss I'm ice the, cream? I'm doing the Whole30 diet. And for for those of our listeners who may not know what that is. Ugh. It's an elimination diet, basically, slash probably a fad diet. But I think I'm allergic to something, and I want to see what might it what it might be. So you don't eat anything, any grains. Um, dairy, alcohol, anything with, like, added sugar, and then, weirdly, like, no beans or legumes or, like, lentils. That's been a little bit difficult. Because I'm not, so I'm not a huge meat eater, but you have to eat protein at every meal. Yeah. So my meat intake is up, like, 100%. Wow. It's, like, doubled. Yeah. So it hasn't been too bad. Like, I'm fine not drinking alcohol. I miss ice cream, but I'm, like, pretty all right not having sweets. It's just a month, you know? It's like, oh, you can do anything for a month. I do miss grains a lot, though. I like rice. I like couscous. I like farro. Girl, grains are everything to me. I hope that's not the allergy, by the way. <laughs> like, at the end of all this. Let's get those fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. That's not the thing. But, yeah, I miss ice cream. Yeah. I don't really miss TV that has men in it. No. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? So, for a really long time, it was mint chocolate chip. Okay. But I'm going through kind of a crisis of identity. That makes sense. It's not that anymore. (gasps) I know. Things are changing. Do you have, Um, like, a replacement, or are you just, like, not as into mint chocolate chip? I am definitely not as into mint chocolate chip. I think I'd rather have, like, if I don't have other choices, I'd rather have, like, plain chocolate and vanilla together. Mm -hmm. But then I also really love black raspberry Mm -hmm. with chocolate chips, which there's an ice cream shop in Amherst that we went to that has that. Yeah. So that's very good. And then there's a Ben & Jerry's flavor called Maricone Dream. It has, like, pieces of cones and chocolate swirl. I love that. It's so good. I'm not big on, like, peanuts. So when an ice cream has peanuts, I usually don't like it. Do you like peanut butter in ice cream? Mm, No. No. Okay. I don't, I like peanut butter in savory things. I'm not a big fan of sweet peanut butter situations. Interesting. Like I don't like Reese's peanut butter cups. Interesting. Yeah. It's good for me to know. For. I make, when I make ramen, back when I could eat grains, I um, would put like a big, big scoop of peanut butter in my ramen. Try it. You should try it. Do you eat ramen? Do you partake in the ramen? I don't typically, but 
sometimes. But I'm, listen. It's like a comfort food for me. And now I do like a, like a big plop. Like I, I love you so much and I, I value your opinions on so many things. Don't bash it till you try it. Don't bash it till you try it. I'm not putting peanut butter in my ramen. Okay. You're missing out. When I come visit, I'm going to spoon feed you ramen with peanut butter <laughs> while you're sleeping. I'll wake up my mouth just full of peanut butter noodles. <laughs> After you're done choking, you'll be like, oh, it's so good. Thank you, Krista. You've really changed my mind. Oh, man. All right. Um, Helen, what do you miss? I miss, so I miss Master of None. It's um, oh, Aziz Ansari's yeah. show. The second season came out, I think, this past week. Um, just like really recently and it's a Netflix show it's like on Netflix and it's a really good show I really really like it but I also so so I'm having like a little bit of a crisis with this project right now in which I'm finding that so I hold a lot of identities that are oppressed I am queer I'm a woman of color I'm a first-generation American um, and I I'm finding that isolating the narratives that I engage with to just women is not actually that validating for me. It can be, and it is at times, but like my experience day to day is dictated at least as much by my race as it is by my gender and my experience in places where I'm read as queer, because I'm not always, I read pretty straight. Um, in places that I'm read as queer, my experience is very much dictated by that identity. And so I'm kind of struggling a little bit because I'm feeling like I don't, like taking out narratives written by men is helpful, but it's not actually providing me, what I I had hoped with this project was that like, I would be immersed in narratives written by people like me and it would feel really validating and really empowering. And I'm just feeling like I'm not actually experiencing that many narratives written by people like me because I'm not experiencing that many narratives that are written by people who share all of my identities. Yeah. And so like I, that's, that's fine. And it's a really like helpful lesson for me. Um, and I'm still a hundred percent in because it's better than not doing this project at all. I'm still like, enjoying it um but I miss Master of None because Aziz Ansari is like a first-gen American of South Asian descent and I like relate a lot to pieces of that experience and obviously Aziz Ansari and I are very different people we lead very different lives we have a lot that's not in common but that piece of that narrative is is like very important to my identity and so I miss that when I was watching like the first season a year ago um, the way that he interacted with his South Asian extended family felt very, um, it like spoke to me in a way that I really enjoyed and that I miss. Well, we're the only people making these rules. We can change them. When I came up with this concept, I was looking at the part of my identity that's oppressed. Yeah. And the only part of my identity that's oppressed is me being a woman. Yeah. Like, otherwise I am in the oppressing group. And so to highlight that piece feels good for me yeah but we don't have to keep it that we can start opening it up a little bit I like 
I thought about it a little bit, and I think I'm happy with the rules staying as they are for now. I just, like, it's something that I need to explore a little bit more internally before I think about Mm -hmm. how it changes my behavior. All right, and that concludes our show. Thank you for listening to Mental Dam. You can find us online in a bunch of places. Yeah, we're on Facebook at Mental Dam, on Twitter at Mental underscore Dam, and we're on the uh, World Wide Web at MentalDam.com. <gasps> That's M-E-N-T-A-L-D-A-M.com. The World Wide Web. I don't know if you've ever noticed that uh, some websites start with www. That actually stands for World Wide Web. Helen, yes. your age is showing My- that you think that's a factoid. <laughs> because when I, I was around when that was invented. Oh, God. Do you think if people Google Mental Dam, we're the first thing that comes up? We are not because I've tried that a bunch. What else comes up? Not anything that's called Mental Dam. Also, somebody tweeted at us like last week and was like, I Googled Mental Dam and just found videos of people using dental dams. And I was like, did you Google us on Pornhub? <laughs> Dumbass. But did you did you Google dental dam by accident? <laughs> yeah, we just like misspelled it. And in that case, or did Google say did Google say did you mean dental dam and then you accepted that? Right. Then you were like, yes, I did. Which, you know, that was their own fault. Well, tell your friends about us so that we can rise up in the search. Rise up in the search. History will rise, rise up. up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> definitely do that. Also, rate and review us on iTunes because that helps more people find us and it strokes our egos real real nice have we gotten any reviews? we have five right now <gasps> can you read us one yeah that's not you or hillary <laughs> yes i can there's also one by somebody I, it's unclear who it's by i don't recognize this at all but the title of the review is the rock would be so lucky and i don't oh. know <laughs> like i don't know who wrote this I assume it's somebody What's we know. What's the person's username? WHB hyphen XXX. This is a mystery. Is there a review below the Rock with You still? Yeah, it says, I am new to the podcast world. I stumbled upon a gem here. Mental Dam is the best. It's real, true, authentic. Love it, love them, love feminism. Join the party and give it a listen. You won't be disappointed. Even you, DTRJ. He's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, just to clarify. He's curious. Maybe it's a real fan. Oh my God. Anyway. We love you. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Helen Sharma. I'm Kristen Arzinski. Don't die. Don't die. We still need you around, probably. We've got good shows coming. We only have a few followers. We don't need to lose that. That's true. Stick around. Okay, bye. Bye.